Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wall on us. Facing and taking on all the blatant paint and trolls. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get if you uh, listen to this podcast, you probably already know about Kickstarter, or you should. Uh, I've been a pretty big Kickstarter fan, I think, since it since it launched. Uh, I pretty obsessively check out new projects on it and have backed many dozens of them um, with varying degrees of success. Thankfully, I think I, I've never backed any any of the projects that were outright failures, though I certainly know some people who have. Um, I've certainly backed some projects that were, I would say, disappointing in various ways. And uh, many, many of the projects that I've backed were either seriously delayed or plagued by very poor communications or some combination of both. Uh, in fact, I think that's almost become sort of a, a standard part of the Kickstarter experience, for better or for worse. And I know that some people have sworn off the, sworn off the platform entirely um, after a few experiences like that. Uh, but to me, it's all been something of a learning experience, including looking for telltale signs of projects that know what they're doing and those that don't. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I'm so excited to have today's guest on the podcast. Um, last year, I backed a Kickstarter campaign where even I was surprised that I eventually decided to back it. Uh, it was for a pair of backpacks from a small company named Manal. Um, the bags were not exactly cheap, I'll say. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure that this is by far the most money I've put towards a, a Kickstarter project. Uh, but it's also the Kickstarter project that I've been the happiest with, uh, by far. Uh, almost everything about the way the campaign was run and that the product was was made was was done kind of perfectly. Um, even though some of it, I think, actually went against what what is considered common Kickstarter wisdom. So I, I wanted to have one of the company's founders, uh, Jimmy Hayes, join us to discuss Kickstarter in general, um, the two successful campaigns that that uh, Manal has run, and also. I guess if we, if we get to it, fun stuff about backpacks and travel and uh, in general. And so um, I, I've actually put together, I, I think, a fairly long list of um, all the cool things that I think Manal did with their project. And, and I'm hoping that we'll get to discuss them uh, during this, this podcast. But as an opening, I'll explain what made me back the project in the first place. And then we can uh, bring Jimmy in and, and discuss some of the other stuff. Um, first off, this was Manal's second project, uh, so I could look back and see how happy people were with the first campaign. Um, to me, this is this is a pretty big deal. <laughs> it's also why it helps to, to uh, if you do a Kickstarter project, to do it well, because it'll help going forward with future projects. Um, and having lots of very, very happy customers is a good sign. Lots of repeat customers is a super good sign. And Manal had a ton of that. People were genuinely super, super excited to... Um, throw lots of money at Manal again. So that was definitely a good sign. Uh, they had also shipped their first campaign on time, which is such a rarity in the Kickstarter world. Um, the next thing that, I, that uh, for me was that I had sent a, a decently long list of questions to the team about various concerns and questions and uh, that I had, and they answered back thoroughly and promptly and did so in ways that were 
to me at least much more clearly honest than many other campaigns. I think it's natural for campaigns to be very much in sell mode, uh, willing to promise just about anything in response to questions. And the Manal team were clear and consistent on what they could do and what they simply could not or would not do. And also... Um, uh, what they were willing to sort of look into, but um, they wouldn't wouldn't promise without making sure that that they could uh, continue to deliver a high quality product and to do it on time. And finally, the last thing that sort of convinced me to back it, and I don't even remember how I came across this exactly, but I found an old blog post on their site um, about a problem that they'd found with the zippers in the the first. Uh, bag that they had um, done a campaign around, uh, where they noted that they'd found a, found a problem and and that not many customers uh, had actually complained about it. And they actually seemed to scold people for not alerting them to these problems so that they could fix them, saying that they, they don't want unhappy customers to stay silent uh, because they want everyone to have the best experience with their bags. And that kind of commitment to, to quality is, is pretty special, and, and I think it's shown in the bag. So as I said, there, there are other things about the campaign that, that really were kind of amazing to me, um, but I've babbled on way longer than I should have. And Jimmy's just been sitting there. So, Jimmy, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. I could sit here all day and listen to you talk about the reasons you backed our Kickstarter campaign. Believe me. <laughs> um, so, and and uh, well, just because I know you're you're sort of um, you know uh, constantly traveling and, and stuff. Wh where are you right now? <laughs> right now, I'm in uh, the Amoreiras district of uh, of Lisbon, Portugal. Ah, oh, very nice. Very nice. So from your accent, that is not where you were from originally. Well, no. In fact, if you drill a hole through from Portugal to the other side of the world, that's where it comes out of New Zealand, and that's where I'm from. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so, so let's talk Kickstarter a little bit. And, and just going back to the beginning, kind of what made you guys decide to start with a Kickstarter campaign when you did the, the original Manal bag? Uh, so that was late 2013. And I think at that point... Kickstarter and, and crowdfunding in general was was um, pretty well known, especially amongst early adopters, and, mm -hmm. and it was getting some real traction. It wasn't the kind of uh, behemoth that's been spread around through through mass media that it is today. Um, it wasn't yet a verb, I think, um, but <laughs> but you know it was it was definitely on the scene, and and we were myself and my co-founder Doug were were really passionate about. Um, keeping control of, of whatever company we started in order to be able to, to make the best stuff for, for people who actually would, you know, would buy it in the end. Um, I think we, we both had a cynicism about what outside money does to, to especially physical products yeah. um, and, and what it does to, in terms of, of needing to, to chase growth above all other things. And so, you know, it all started as we want to make the best uh, carry on travel backpack for ourselves uh, and we were in our particular lifestyle and so to to do that um, you know you don't just make two you make a thousand and, and we, we knew if we could make a thousand um, if we could find a you know a thousand people or, or around that number to to uh, back us then then that would be a you know we'd be well on our way to to creating a sustainable company and, and it just seemed like a no-brainer at the time uh, once we found out about Kickstarter to, to jump on there. Did you, I mean, did you do any research in terms of like how to create a good campaign before you launched yours or sort of what was the process there? So much. Yeah. Uh, I think that was, that was a huge amount of the prep time actually. Um, and you know, when it's, it kind of, 
it was everything from reading blog posts whose blog title I think literally was how to prepare for a Kickstarter campaign, <laughs> um, right through to, to you know, we, we trawled every single bag campaign ever launched on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, <laughs> which was a smaller project back then than it is now. Yeah. Um, but, but was still, you know, a really significant amount of time. And, and it was so interesting because some products that we thought were really good had failed and some that we thought weren't so good, uh, had been, you know, reasonably successful. And so figuring, you know, the process of figuring out how that can be, uh, and slowly refining how we were going to approach the, uh, the, the our own project was, yeah, it was super uh, interesting and, and also really helpful. What, um, I mean, were there sort of key takeaways? I, I'm kind of curious because I, I have sort of this, you know, sort of mental checklist in, in my head of like, oh, this is, these are signs that somebody's put thought into a Kickstarter project. And, and um, but I, I'm curious kind of what, what you think you learned. Um, or, or even, even uh, to change that question up a little bit, sorry, it, it is if there were things that you thought beforehand that turned out to, to be true or turned out not to be true. Huh. Uh, we didn't, we were really, really open, uh, on, on how to do it. So I think we were kind of, we came in as just blank sponges, um, mm. and, and definitely didn't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we had too many strong expectations apart from normal human stuff, like be nice and, um, <laughs> try and communicate well and, you know, all that basic stuff. Um, but I think one of the, the trends that we noticed that, you know, is, sounds kind of obvious, but a, a lot of people will miss it. And I think we may, may well have missed it otherwise is, you know, a lot of these good projects that failed would launch and, you know, then put an update. Okay, now's the time to try and go and get press and um, press for Kickstarter campaigns. And again, I'm talking about the 2013 version of Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, you know, mass media was still fairly open to covering stuff, but you did have to put a lot of uh, of time and effort into to you know prepping your message and and sending cold emails and introducing yourself and doing all that stuff, and so that's kind of like a one month, two month, three month lead time before you actually launch and that sort of stuff, um, especially on your first campaign where you know you don't have those returning backers and and pledges. Um, I think that took as much time as preparing the actual project page hmm. itself, which was the, of course, the other huge thing. Um, just, you know, writing and rewriting and rewriting and reshooting the video, re-editing the video, making sure that we, we had that message, um, you know, really dialed in and, and making sure we weren't wasting anyone's time because uh, so one of the, the stats that we got from Kickstarter was if someone finishes watching your video, uh, they're, something like 80% more likely to pledge to the to the project. And so, you know, the, the main aim of the video was like, okay, you know, every moment has to make someone want to watch five seconds more. And, all, <laughs> and as long as it keeps doing that throughout the entire thing and they reach the end, then, then we've got a winner. Yeah. And, and I should say, you know, for, for those who haven't seen the videos actually for both of your projects, like they're really worth watching. They're, they're very, very entertaining. They're, they're, I, you know, I think you can tell like when people put together sort of professional level quality, um, Kickstarter videos and, and, you know, some have been better than others in terms of, in terms of being entertaining in their own right. Um, but both of your campaign videos, I think were, were really, really entertaining and, and you know, that I actually enjoyed watching. I, I mean, I think I've watched both of them, you know, uh, uh, more than, more than once just to, to be reminded of how well done they were as sort of campaign videos. Thanks. I think. Yeah. I, th I think one of the, the keys that we really focused on early was there's a real, um, 
a sense of earnestness in, in many Kickstarter videos or crowdfunding videos. And uh, earnestness is actually illegal in New Zealand. So uh, we, we definitely, <laughs> if we wanted to keep our passport and get back into the country, we had to kind of make fun of ourselves, make fun of backers. Um, and, and yeah, just really have fun with it. So, and that's something we try to do in both videos. And, and I think, you know, when you speak with your own voice like that, it, it comes across a lot better than hiring someone for 500 bucks online and getting them to do a professional voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was really well done. And it kind of, you know, it, it, it gave, you know, both of you guys personality, you know, you know, or showed off your personality. I shouldn't say gave you guys personality. It showed off your personalities. For better or worse. For better or worse. <laughs> right. But it, you know, it, it definitely, you know, I think it, it, it made the point that you guys do care about this stuff too, which sort of comes through in that. Um, now, one of the other interesting things that, that I found, which I thought that you guys did, um, differently than than a lot of Kickstarter campaigns, and and I thought was was a really interesting move because I think it goes against what some people say. But um, and I saw some people actually complain about with you guys, but I actually thought it, it worked really well. Was that you didn't get too bogged down in in the comments, right? So there's there are comment sections on every campaign, and lots of people are there asking questions and and whatnot. And and one of the things that you guys did was make it clear that if people had like you know specific questions, to reach out via email. Um, but that you didn't like basically spend all day reloading the comments and responding to every single comment. You would come in sort of once a week basically and, and sort of batch process <laughs> responding to a bunch of comments. Um, and I'm, I imagine that that kept you guys pretty focused on, on getting stuff done as opposed to just, I think a lot of campaigns just get so reactive to the comments that, that it actually distracts them from um, you know, actually doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, your, your project would be nothing without backers. And I think yes. we, try and, we try and remember that. And, and so that, that decision was based on a reflection period from the first Kickstarter when we were much more um, active on the comments page. And, mm. and we actually felt like it distracted from getting the best result for backers overall. So even though we might be responding to, to one person or three people a day or something like that, um, we were losing time to work on the product and, and getting distracted, as you say. And so... Um, yeah, we, we were, and, and it's also a terrible place to do support, basically. If people have <laughs> right. questions or anything like that, they're 20 questions back and you're trying to have this kind of asymmetric conversation. It's like push people to where they can really get good support um, yeah. and give them a better experience and also give people a better experience through, through focusing on the product as well. So, um, you know, looking back at the first campaign where all the comments made me cry because I was checking them all the time and they're really mean. Um, no, they're, they're generally pretty positive. But, you know, it, 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 when you care so much and other people care so much, it's so easy to get, uh, to get caught up. And not only do you spend that half an hour reading and responding um, every, every two hours, uh, right. you, you, you tend to take a long time to refocus. And, um, and I think we, yeah, we, we found it a much better experience and I hope that other people did as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I I thought it worked really well. It it um it it, it was definitely different because I think a lot of campaigns are, are much more active. And um, there's a couple campaigns that I'm dealing with now where I see, you know, sort of people. I think the 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 um the people behind the campaign sort of over, um, you know, too invested in the comments. And I think it's it may be impacting their ability to actually deliver on the on the product itself, which is just kind of an interesting thing. Hmm. Um. I think somewhat related to that, one of the things that you did, which I haven't really seen other campaigns do, um, but seems like such a good idea, was 
you know, at the end of each update, right? So you post campaign updates as the campaign goes. You said you, you gave the date for when the next campaign update would come. Um, and then you, you know, you stuck to that, <laughs> uh, you know, you would deliver an update. And I actually found myself kind of looking forward to the updates um, since I knew when they were coming. And, you know, lots of campaigns, you know, one of the problems is that, um, you know, either the, the updates are sort of infrequent or they just, you know, stop coming at all or you don't know why or when they're, they're going to come. And you guys sort of set a very clear schedule and kept to it. Um, did you, was that like part of the plan originally? Yeah, I mean, it's such a small thing, but I have about half an hour's worth of thoughts and anecdotes on that. I mean, <laughs> it, that was something that came about uh, about about two or three updates into the first campaign. Mm-hmm. So we, we hit what everyone else hits, and that's people saying, when's the next update? Um, and that's a great sign, right? People are excited. Um, we're excited. Uh, but, you know, people are frustrated, and it's that whole kind of waiting at a bus stop thing. And if you can see how long it is till the next bus, uh, you just chill out. And if you don't know when the right. next bus is coming, you're freaking out. Um, <laughs> looking down the road all the time and wondering where the bus is and calling the bus company. Yeah. Um, so so when we started getting these questions, it became pretty clear. Well, we could, we could you know, save everyone some time and angst by saying, hey, by the way, next update's on this date. Um, and I think that uh, that was one of the, the smallest actions with the biggest... Uh, effect on our campaign that that we really had and uh, people responded really well to it there's it eliminated all but one question one person at some point said oh there's a there's an update meant to be coming up in two days is it still on and another backer <laughs> another backer actually came in and said they've got everyone so far why wouldn't they get this one oh sorry i didn't mean to offend anyone you know um so it, you know it was just a great uh a great remover of uncertainty and i think that's one of the hugest the, the biggest question, the biggest um, experiences for us has been understanding that uncertainty is the biggest issue really with any of this is if you can uh, remove uncertainty and, and help, um, you know, people be sure of, of what they're signing up to and, and what the progress is and what they can expect, uh, mm-hmm. that, that's going to make your, your crowdfunding campaign a million times easier. And I think you touched on it before with kind of being clear about what you will and won't do and... Um, and, you know, there's many times we've had to disappoint people and certainly there's been people pull out of backing us because uh, we, we weren't going to consider what, what they wanted. But it's just really important to keep, you know, your eyes on the on the end result that you want and um, and make sure that everything you do fits into that goal. Yeah. And I mean, so there were two two specific examples, I think, with with your campaign, like there were two things that a lot of people asked for, including me in some cases. And um, one was like being able to turn um, at least the smaller bag, but um, or possibly both bags into a messenger style where you would have a sling and be able to carry it over your shoulder as opposed to as a a backpack. Um, And the other one that lots of people were asking for was the water bottle holder on the um, smaller bag because the the big bag has one on the outside. The smaller one doesn't because it doesn't quite fit, I think, (laughs) with with the aesthetic, I guess, is is, the best way to put it. Um, and, um, And you guys were, I thought, like, super, super clear of like, okay, the, you know, like we see a lot of people asking for, um, the messenger bag style and we're looking into it. Um, and we're trying to figure out if we can do it, but we will not, you know, we're not going to promise anything before we know for sure if we can do it. And we're not going to agree to anything that either harms the integrity of the bag or delays shipping. Right. Um, and 
you know, and, and you, I think originally you said you were going to try and figure that out before the end of the campaign. Um, and that, and you weren't able to do that. And so you actually put out an announcement that's, you know, towards the end of the campaign saying like, we we're still trying, we haven't figured it out. Um, if this is vital to you, like you should not back us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, if, you know, if it's something you're hoping for, but you know, or can, can be, you know, uh, more flexible on then you know we hope you'll stick with us as we as we try and figure it out and then of course eventually um towards the end it was pretty far into the after the campaign was done but pretty close to delivery you guys made an announcement that you were able to to do that and to also add the a water bottle holder inside the bag um which was i think kind of a surprise announcement um yeah. Fair to enough. us as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was something that, that took a really, really long time. Uh, and, and I think, skipping back to something that you said, it's, our, you know, one of our fundamental kind of lines in the sand is no delays on shipping. Yeah. Um, and so much, so many decisions can use that criteria. Um, if anything is going to risk that delivery date, you know, that's, that's what people really care about. And especially with a product like ours, because people are going on, on vacation, on holiday, you know. Yeah. And so... I mean, we we were getting hundreds of, of emails closer to the delivery date saying, is it going to be on time? I've got a flight to you know, Kathmandu or whatever it is, <laughs> right. um, or to a conference or, or wherever, and I'm relying on this. And so, you know, we're very aware of, of the fact that the vast majority of people actually need this for you know, a particular reason, and that reason is to travel. And um, anything that's kind of a knee-jerk reaction design-wise uh, can really, really, you know, spiral out and, and cause huge delays on the back end. And, you know, we've witnessed that as backers. We've backed a bunch of projects and we've seen uh, seen things blow out and, and we're just, you know, that's one of the things that we don't want to do. And, and I know a lot of uh, campaigns accept it as, as, part of the, as part of the whole crowdfunding process and they want to be able to be responsive, extremely responsive to design requests and all that sort of stuff. And, and that's fine, but, you know, personally, we... we wanted to to highlight on-time delivery as as a really really um fundamental part of of who we are as a company and and yeah if that if that means as you said that that some people had to drop off um the you know all we can do is be really clear about the situation and, and let them make the call yeah and i thought you know i mean again i think that that sort of level of, of honesty actually you know, speaks well to, to how the campaign was run and, and everything about it. And it, it built up trust. And I've been trying to make this point to, to another Kickstarter campaign that I'm backing right now, which will remain nameless because it's been a complete disaster, um, <laughs> which is basically like, you know, so much of, of the way Kickstarter runs is, is that, you know, you're, you're building a relationship and that relationship has to be built on trust. And so, you know, uh, you know, this is a campaign that's been you know, significantly delayed many, many times over. And, and, you know, and I keep telling them, like, I'm, I'm fine with the delay in this case. Like, I understand that these things get delayed and that there are problems, but like the campaign has not been honest about it. They've told me now, I think like six times your, your uh, stuff will be shipping out next week and, you know, starting back in March and now we're, <laughs> you know, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year. And, and so it's like, you know, don't, don't tell me you're shipping it next week when you're not yeah. clearly. I, I, and I know my, I mean, I know my co-founder has, has literal nightmares about over-promising on things. So, I mean, <laughs> he's definitely a very, um, not, not conservative, but, you know, we, we think about it as in terms of us as backers, you know, and we've had that experience and we just, we know that all we would want is, is someone to tell us straight and, and, you know, let us make the decision of whether we want to either take the risk or step out, step in, um, and yeah, I, th I think there's, 
there's so many variables in a crowdfunding campaign, so many more than obviously selling a product that already exists that it's so easy. I mean, you, you know, you can make one day easier for yourself by saying, oh yeah, actually this will be fine. And then of course something the next day goes wrong and, and you're two months pushed out on the, on the deadline. So um, we're just day by day, extremely careful about how we, uh, how we phrase things even, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but when we, whenever we do an update, I mean, there's a multiple hour kind of debate on what goes <laughs> in and how the language looks and all this sort of stuff. And, and it, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that's kind of uh, maybe a waste of time or, or, or similar, but, but really it's, it's just a, an absolute commitment to not mislead anyone. And, and that's what we've really suffered with, you know, occasionally as backers. And, and it's something we really don't want to put, put our backers through at all. Yeah, no, I think you guys did, you know, a fantastic job with it. Um, and even like, you know, the, the updates themselves for all the time you put into it. I mean, I think it shows and that the, you know, the updates themselves were, you know, either, you know, they were entertaining themselves and, and to the point and, and clear. And, and as I said, I like I actually uh, eagerly looked forward to them, uh, in part knowing when they were coming, which which definitely helped. But, you know, I, I, I can't recall any other project that I've backed where I've been so happy about getting updates. <laughs> I'm glad um, to hear it. All the, all the blood, sweat and arguments were worth it. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they were, they were well done and, and just, you know, well, well orchestrated. Um, and so, so I think that was, that was really good. And then, um, you know, I think the last thing obviously is, is that you guys, you know, um, with the first campaign, you know, you guys really did build a pretty strong community. Um, and and that showed through in the second campaign you know just the the eagerness with which people were, were willing to support you and and you know talking up how excited they were about things and how happy they were with the with the original product and and excited they were to to you know even to you know back you guys again um that that really showed and you don't see that on a lot of campaigns and, and i'm now like very very careful in terms of like looking for campaigns that are you know if it's their second or third campaign and looking at how well they performed and just going through the comments on earlier campaigns and and seeing how well they did um you know you guys work seem to work really hard at least from from my perspective at making sure that you really do have a community not just kind of a bunch of you know one-off customers yeah i i mean that's that's basically why we do it i mean um and to be totally honest you know I think we'd got to a point as a company where it wasn't strictly um, necessary to do a Kickstarter to launch that product. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been dangerous for us not to, but but we possibly <laughs> could have pulled it off. And one of the main reasons we wanted to, to go back and run a second campaign is because backers on Kickstarter are, are the people who's helped start the company. And um, we never discount retail products uh, ever. Um, and and we, we can't generally with the, with the cost of the production. And so... Kind of doing you know doing advanced pre-sales and, and a kickstarter format and kind of a bulk order is, is the one way that we can drop prices and say thanks to people and um and you know get them get the stuff the earliest and and kind of have them at the front of the queue so um it's just a really positive experience all around for us um and and we also you know obviously get benefits from it in terms of getting really early feedback and um, having having a bunch of really passionate people tell us you know, the direction that they think everything <laughs> should be going. Um, and, and that's kind of what we live off. I mean, we live and die off the, uh, off the, the kind of passion and the, and the feedback from, from our users. So um, it's certainly something that we, you know, we, we put a lot of time into and, you know, 
personally messaged backers and and you know talked talk to them about travel and all that sort of stuff and um just just try and be you know regular people who who happen to be making bags it's um it, you know try and just keep it simple and and stay true to that yeah yeah and i think i think you've done a really good job on that so let's talk a little bit um about about travel and bags because because I'm, I'm i'm pretty fascinated by this too and and like um you know I, I, I now <laughs> I have to admit I've been sort of obsessively checking other like Kickstarter bag projects not hmm. not to buy one because I'm pretty happy with with my Manal and uh, I don't think I'll be getting another new bag anytime soon but um, I, I I just find myself somewhat obsessively looking at other bags that are out there and, and kind of comparing them and and seeing what's what's there what what uh, I guess. I mean, I guess for people who who don't know anything about the bags, like, can you g give a basic description of, of the kinds of bags that, that you guys sell? Sure. Well, I think context is reasonably important. So yeah. uh, Doug and I back in uh, back in 2013 and, and immediately preceding that were, uh, were starting a company um, th that was probably going to be based around traveling because we wanted to figure out a way to, to stay on the road all the time rather than having to go back to jobs and then save money and then go traveling again. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of our travel became uh, business. We were going to factories and talking to people around the world as we traveled and you know collecting ideas and, and developing kind of product ideas, all that sort of stuff. And we were just really unhappy with the bags that were on offer um, and nothing really fit kind of this this missing part of the of the spectrum of bags which was you know uh, looks nice enough to take it into a meeting without being embarrassed um, and then you know uh, rugged enough to be to be taken on you know on the trail or off-road or whatever um, in, in countries and uh, and in cities around the world so um, we wanted something that was built for staying productive, um, but also tough enough to um, to handle anything you throw at it, basically. And uh, you know, we used to joke as we were developing the the first prototype and, and sinking a you know a decent amount of money into it before the Kickstarter. It was well, if you know, if worst comes to worst, we've made ourselves like the our you know our <laughs> dream bag, for, which cost us thousands and thousands of dollars. But at least it'll be worth it. We'll have our bag finally. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was really that, that classic thing of coming out of a, a very personal need. Um, and and, it, and it, the, the concept was really clear to us from the start. It went through a lot of design changes, but, but we knew there were, you know, really specific things that we wanted to get out of it. And um, so, yeah, I, I, as we've expanded the range, we've just tried to keep it um, focused on those sort of things. It's, it's able to be taken basically anywhere. Um, but it's, you know, it's lightweight, uh, it looks sleek, uh, just, you know, minimizes the amount of stuff kind of dangling off it on the outsides. And, and, and one of the other main things we're trying to do is stay very subtle on branding because, um, you know, no, no one wants to roll into a meeting with a huge, uh, logo across their bag and, and we try and keep that subtle and hidden and, um, and, and that also creates a nice little feeling, you know, if you, if you see someone in the airport with the same bag and all it's got is a little symbol, um, and you recognize it, then you can. You can kind of go up to them and be part of the club and and that certainly happened to me a few times yeah yeah no, that's that's cool and, and um you know it it has been interesting to me that it seems like there's been sort of this explosion lately of like um i guess similar situation where people are, are sort of trying to you know deciding that the the sort of big name 
um, bags that are out there aren't really, you know, living up to, to what's needed. And so I've seen a whole bunch of sort of companies launch, um, some with similar stories. Where it's just like, hmm. you know, two guys who like to travel a lot and, yeah. and needed a better bag. There's a few of those out there for sure that the, the guys who like to travel. Yeah, 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 just a few. Yeah. Um, and, and so, um, but, but, you know, to me, at least it, it you know, what, what do you, what have you guys done to sort of, that you think has sort of made you stand out? Uh, I think we were, we were reasonably early on the specific um, niche that we went into. We, you know, we were part of a, uh, the, you know, back in 2013, again, the, the kind mm-hmm. of digital nomad scene, although I'm, you know, I question that, um, that title a little bit, but, <laughs> but that, that was kind of really just kicking off. Uh, and that was that was a scene that we were we were deep deep inside. I mean, we were kind of living in Asia and uh, running around factories and working on the road, but um, but doing so remotely. And uh, I think yeah, so p- partly being reasonably early to market, um, and partly just I, I think kind of the things that we've talked about earlier in terms of delivery of uh, of a campaign and delivery of a product and and getting you know trying to trying to focus on our existing users rather than, than attracting new users um, um, and, and ignoring the needs of the, of the current users. So it, it really is just, I think we've just done the fundamentals reasonably well. Um, yeah. and, and like I say, you know, again, just staying bootstrapped and, and not taking outside investment, I think there's a time and a place for that for sure. But for us, being able to make the decisions that work out best for our end users is, is an incredibly powerful thing and, and people seem to have responded really well to it. Yeah. Um, but you know, on on the whole competition thing, I mean, I I love seeing um, other other independent small companies come up. I'm I'm really stoked every time there's a new uh, campaign like that or release like that because you know the luggage industry is a, a billion 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 dollar industry and um, and it's it's dominated by you know huge corporates and and if a bunch of us can nibble at the sides and take a little bit, a little share of that, then I'm really happy about it. And, and we're certainly not competing against each other. I don't think, I think there's a, a much larger pie that we're all eating. Yeah. And yeah, no, I definitely think that's true. Um, so let's, as we're, as we're sort of getting towards the end here, let's, let's talk, uh, I guess, um, another fascination of mine, kind of travel tips or, or, um, the kinds of things that, that if you are sort of, you know, traveling around the world to, both business meetings and camping and whatnot. Um, you know, how, uh, what have you found is is good for, uh, or or other good products or, or other cool tips and tricks? I guess for for um, being able to pack for um, traveling around the world. Oh, that's a good. Okay, I've got three. <laughs> I, as you were talking, I came up with three. Uh, right. I would say, I mean, you all, and and this is this one, I guess, is aimed towards. Um, perhaps newer travelers um you're always going to take more you know initially than than you actually need um yeah. it's natural to overpack and i think you know if you sit down and really think okay do i actually need this do i actually need this you're going to end up with something that can be you know generally uh carried on and you won't need to check luggage so that's that's again what we're all about is is um carry on luggage and uh, I think the vast majority of the time most people can get away with with carry on only and obviously that saves you money saves you time um, saves you back all those sort of things yeah. so um, a really kind of calculated approach to, to packing is um, and questioning whether you really need something whether you could buy it at your destination all that sort of stuff uh, it's really worth your while because you'll save yourself a lot of um, 
sweat and, and pain and, and money uh, spent on, on checking bags. Um, one tool that I really love is the roost stand. I don't know if you know that, but it's, yep. uh, um, even though I'm very brutal about what I carry around, but that's one of the, um, the greatest things that I've ever started using. I was actually on the, <laughs> the first Kickstarter campaign, I was having uh, chronic, um, pain in my, my wrists and, and neck, uh, from sending out all those emails to press. <laughs> and, uh, and I mentioned that on an, on a podcast interview and, and James who makes roost stand, uh, contacted me and said he had the solution and I was very skeptical and uh, once I started using it I, I never looked back it's been one of the biggest changes to my um, my working life and my posture since since then so uh, <laughs> for, for for those who, who don't know that it's it's basically a stand a very portable um, lightweight stand for your laptop so you can have it up at a better angle and higher up Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's adjustable as well. I, I've, yep. I've seen a lot of uh, laptop stands and I, I really haven't found one that that works for me as well as um, and works for my lifestyle as well as the wrist stand does. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a really amazing product. I'm kind of in awe of James for creating it. Um, <laughs> and the other uh, the other one, the tip would be a travel tip. Uh, uh, my friend Jeanette told me this yesterday I think and I'm not going to know all the details but you'll be able to find it by googling apparently you can go to St. Petersburg Russia for something like 36 hours without needing a visa if you take the St. Peter line from a bunch of countries nearby um, huh. like Estonia and these sort of countries uh, otherwise you need a Russian visa and it's very difficult and all this sort of stuff it costs yeah. money apparently uh, and I, 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 I wouldn't be raising this publicly, except I said to her, are you sure about this? You know, are you sure enough about this that we could tweet it out? And she said, yes. So I'm, I'm bringing it up here first. <laughs> oh, interesting. I, th I think I've heard that too, yeah. and, and, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brains. I'm, I'm not positive, but I think I have heard that. And, and as someone who's actually gone through the process of getting a Russian visa, um, and, and I have a very long and involved story, which I'm not going to go into about what an incredibly ridiculous process it was <laughs> to get a, a Russian visa. It did involve um, a uh, Russian Orthodox priest shoving me aside at one point. Uh, but Good times. Uh, <laughs> that sounds pretty standard. Pretty standard. Yeah. yeah. And, and also like literally having to hand an envelope full of cash to, <laughs> to someone in the Russian consulate. You know, to, I was going <laughs> to ask if that had happened. And I thought, no, that's a bit insensitive. You know, don't, don't talk about it like that. But there it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part of the process. So if there is a way to avoid having to get a Russian visa to, to visit Russia. I, that's that is a, a good travel tip. <laughs> the other the other way to do it is to uh, uh, I stopped off on a cruise once in far east Russia. I think it's Petropavlovsk. And the other way to get in without a visa is to uh, go on a cruise ship. And then technically you you know you have to have a, uh, a tour guide to take you around. But on the way back to the ship, our, our uh, Olga, of course, our tour guide, <laughs> right. um, was running late for the opera. And so she just dropped us off in the middle of town right beside the Lenin statue and kind of just said, oh, you can make your own way back to the ship. And so <laughs> then we were free in Russia to walk around and, and check it out. And luckily no cops saw us. Right. Very interesting. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, and then I guess uh, you discussed the roost stand. Um, are there any other sort of Kickstarter projects that you've been impressed with or thought were interesting? Um, yeah, it's, it's been a while since I dipped in. I've, I've kind of been detoxing from Kickstarter after <laughs> that second campaign for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, honestly, I, I often... Uh, personally back um art projects so i think mm -hmm. in general i've just seen some some really good uh art projects and and yeah because like a lot of people i you know 
I struggle with delays on physical products a little bit. And, um, and I also don't really have a mailing address that often. So I, I go with a lot of stuff like uh, photography books and stuff like that. And they've all been, all been really great. So I guess that's my, my tip is to, to look beyond um, what is often almost an e-commerce feel of Kickstarter and, and go into those other categories and, and try and uh, fill up that colored pinwheel of, of um, categories yeah. that you've backed. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely true. I mean, there's a lot of good, like music and movies I found, and and journalism too, which is you know important to folks like me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's there's lots of good stuff on there. So um, I, I think that's basically everything that that I had that I wanted to talk about. Anything you have as sort of final final words for our audience? Uh, not really. I mean, I would <laughs> I would love to hear from anyone if they have any travel tips. So you can send them to feedback at manal.com. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to get more St. Petersburg style, um, tips, but yeah, no, anyone can, <laughs> can get in touch anytime. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and definitely let me know too, because, because travel tips are always, always important to me and, um, and yeah, and, and check out, check out the Manal bags. As I said, I'm, um, you know, I got them, I backed them and, uh, and the campaign was wonderful and I've been really, really happy and I've, I've used the, can- the, the bags, um, both for, I, I took them camping a few weeks ago and I actually, um, just was it a week or two ago, I, I, I did an entire, um, business trip to Washington DC, just using the two Manal bags. And it was, it was perfect for that. So I was, I've been very happy with them. So, and this is, uh, you know, this is certainly not a, a sponsored uh, <laughs> post because I gave you guys a lot of money rather than, <laughs> yeah, yeah. than the other That's way around. Weirdest, weirdest sponsorship ever. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but, but no, I, 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 as I said, I mean, of, you know, at this point, I think I've backed over 70 campaigns and, and um, by far, this one was the best run and, and just, you know, it was, it was just kind of, um, you know, educational and entertaining to watch how well you ran the campaign, let alone the fact that the product was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I found that really interesting and that's, that's, you know, a big part of the reason why I wanted to have you on and, and talk to you and just kind of, you know, find out some of the background and everything. So awesome. I really Thank appreciate, you. Uh, appreciate you taking the time and, and, um, you know, and obviously doing the, the great Kickstarter project and, building great bags that I now use and, uh, and, and for talking to us. No, no, it's really my pleasure. All right, great. Well, uh, and thanks to everyone for, for listening and, uh, we hope you enjoyed it and, uh, we'll be back next week with, um, some other topic. I have no idea what we'll be talking about, but we'll figure it out in time. All right. Thanks. <laughs>